to the Kerygma Chronicles, a podcast about creating an empowered ministerial identity and developing the confidence to fully step into God's vision for your life and your ministry. Each week, we'll discuss the highs and lows of ministry shared through the stories of dynamic ministry leaders and my own experiences. I am your host, Dr. Natasha Jameson Gadsden. Let's talk about womanhood anyway. Yes. Okay. Let's be real. That is part of the identity struggle. Yes. We're not having issues because our earrings are too big. Mm -hmm. We're not having issues because our skirts are too short or too Mm -hmm. tight. We're not having issues because our tops are too low. We are having issues because we have the audacity to walk in the fullness of the glory of how God made us without looking gender neutral, even being totally appropriate, not flirting with anybody else's husbands. Okay. Cause you know, that's, we hear about that all the time. And even putting all of those things in place, we are still having struggles, but we are having struggles because we have the audacity to walk in the fullness of our womanhood. God did not create me a man. Um, He did not call me to dress like a man or act like a man or even preach like a man in order to fulfill the call. So I'll be doggone if I strip my femininity to make anybody else comfortable, including the ones in the pews. That is not what God called me to. And if I'm free in my womanhood, then maybe you can get free in yours and stop hating on every other sister that comes in looking fly, right? If I try to match my shirt to my sneakers, then I won't be mad that your clothes match. Right. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but I, I think that we have done such a disservice to women trying to make them be gender neutral. Now I'm all for levels of appropriateness and your level of appropriateness might not be my level of appropriateness. Like we all may have different levels, but we all better have a level, right? Mm -hmm. And that's cool. But at the same time, I don't think that we need to tell women not to be women. That's not an example for our young girls. They, then they come, they grow up hating their bodies before they have a chance to even learn about their body, yes. right? And, and we came through that. We, we've experienced that. We had to get free from it. Yes. I think we do ourselves and other women a tremendous disservice. Yes. I would ne- I mean, th- there were days that I would cry getting ready for church. Just mm-hmm. the anxiety that would come on me because I didn't want, you know, to have other women talking about me. Um, and just like you said, it wasn't because my clothes was too short or too fitted or, or my a low cleavage, because actually most of my friends think I, I am too conservative for my age. Yeah. It, it wasn't because of that. But I, I would mm-hmm. get, have so much anxiety just getting dressed for church in the morning just because I don't want someone to say, you know, to, to be offended or to say something when really I had to come to terms with, 
that had nothing to do with me. That was all mm-hmm. in them. And they were trying to fit me in a box that they were comfortable with because they were too scared to step out of the box on their own. To own who I am, just like you talked about, to own who I am and to walk fully in that appropriately, of course, but to not apologize, to be unapologetic for who I am and who I just walked in this space being, that freed me. I'm telling you, I, I just used to, you know, I've t- I mean, I used to call you with it, but it brought mm-hmm. me so much anxiety to the point where there were times I didn't want to go to church. And how crazy yeah. is that? I am a minister. I don't want to go to church, you know, all because of what someone is going to say about my appropriate clothing. Give me a break. We're, we're, we're telling people, come as you are, but we're under so much bondage when we're getting dressed to come usher people into the presence of the Lord. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, and I can't lead you out of bondage if I'm bound. Exactly. And one of the most, oh my goodness, the most dynamic thing that has happened to me is, I believe it was last year, a young sister, young adult, probably about, I don't know, 10 or so years younger than me, called me one day. Um, had just reached out and said she needed to talk to me, similar to how I did to you. And she called me and she expressed to me that she had a call to ministry. And I was like, oh, wow, of course, I kind of already knew that. But, you know, she expressed it to me. She really didn't know me that long and really didn't know me on a personal level. It was just so kind of, I saw you around at church. But what she said to me was, she said, the reason I'm, I'm coming to you with this is because of how you carry yourself. She said, because I've always felt, you know, I have a nose ring. I, my hair's different. I have, you know, different, nat- my natural hair is a different color at any time, you know, whatever. And she said, I've always felt like I couldn't accept my call to ministry because of these things, because of the way I express myself through my dress. And she said, but when I see you and when I see you, every time you come to church and every time you own your look and own who you are and not apologize for it, she said, that's when I said, okay, maybe I can accept this call to ministry now. And for me, that was the most, and I'm getting emotional even as I say it, because that was the most rewarding thing to know that all the persecution, all the stuff I had went through just to be who God is calling me to be was not just for me. It wasn't, you know, for me to say, you know, here's Tana, Tana is, you know, whatever Tana has been through this, but it was because so someone else can come and be able to accept their call in the fullness of who God created them to be. And that was just so powerful for me. It was just such a moving moment for me. Absolutely. Because it speaks to what the work really is, especially when you have come under fire for so long for how you present yourself. When you have that moment, God reminds you that I called you for this and I called you for this one, this one right here, because you had to fight so many battles just to get to that space. But when we look at how God has shaped us, when we look at how God has placed us, one thing that we need to remember is that that is our work. Our work needs to be to help people see, and young women in particular, but people in general, to see that God has put something in them and that 
they are no less worthy than anybody else of pulling that out, right? And not creating carbon copies of ourselves, but freeing people to walk fully and who God called them to be, whatever that looks like. And that also becomes challenging for us now because even though we might have stepped outside of the box, eventually we create a new box. As you see people trying to emulate you and looking up to you or whatever, inadvertently, whether you try to or not, you end up creating a new box. But then you have a young woman who comes along with a nose ring or with uh, blue chucks or, you know, wearing sneakers and not heels or whatever. Our work is to encourage them where they are in what God has called them to be and to do and with their particular style, right? There's some things, yeah, you know, that you kind of have to pull together. There are some changes I had to make. But in general, we are not in the business of scrubbing people of their individual identity. Yes. I mean, we should not be. That should not be our work. Our work should be helping people to see how God is unpacking and unfolding and giving birth to new pieces and new aspects of their personhood and of their lives and of their gifting. And I think that just being able to do that is a privilege. Not looking at somebody and saying, oh, I whip them into shape so that they will look like everybody else. But being able to say that I got to bear witness to how God birthed them out in ministry in a way that the world hadn't ever seen before. That's the privilege. That's the world. Yes. And the reality is that young lady is going to reach somebody that I would never be able to reach that you would never be able to reach just because of how she presented. That's why we kind of have to get out of that, that whole space and trying to let everyone fit a certain mold because the whole kingdom, there's a whole whole world waiting to be saved, you know, waiting to be touched and not just saved and accept Jesus, but to move forward in their purpose and to move forward in the thing that God is calling them to be. And I, I can't reach them all. I can't. I mean, I would love to think that I'm so great that I can, but the reality is I cannot. You can That's right. And so we right. all need one another to step out in fully who they are and to reach who they have been called and assigned to reach. And the other thing that you said that I thought yeah. was so good is just the notion of knowing that when you have come through the struggle, that you have an obligation, not just to sit on your new throne and look down at people, but you yeah. have an obligation to turn around <laughs> And help somebody out. That essentially, that's what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Peter, Satan is going to sift you like wheat. He is going to pick you apart. But know yeah. that I will pray for you that your faith will not fail. And we all have a testimony. We, You and I have a testimony that is because of Jesus saving grace, his comfort, his love that has kept us and allowed our faith to not fail during these times. But then he said, and when you have come through, strengthen your brethren. And I have translated that to be help somebody out, help your sister out, help your brother out. There is, I'm sorry, there is one other thing that I want to say about this though. We have a responsibility, but we know everybody, just as we talked about earlier, won't fulfill their responsibility. Yes. So what I also would say 
to young women, young at heart, women coming into ministry, women who have been in ministry forever, women not in ministry, is that as much as we all have a responsibility to help somebody else, when you don't have that readily available, you have to be intentional and proactive enough to seek out the pieces that you need, even if you have to fit all of these little pieces together like a mosaic, so that you don't put the formation, the creation of your identity in somebody else's hands, but you take it back for yourself and you co-create that with God. That's good. You know, when I look at each of our stories, that is the place where we move forward. Yes. Where we decided... I'm pulling this back out of the hands of said leader, whoever that may be, because it is not their responsibility. And my pastor says this all the time. He says, it is not my responsibility to tell you who you are. Mm -hmm. It is my responsibility to give you opportunity and a platform and be a mirror in your life so that you can see for yourself who God has created you to be. And I think one of the strongholds in the Black church, I'm just going to say it, is that we, our identities are created in relationship to whoever our pastor is. Mm. So you could be the best preacher in the world. You could be the best teacher in the world. But for whatever reason, if that relationship isn't what you hoped it would be or isn't what it should be, even if you're getting opportunities, you still do not see yourself as a minister. Your ministerial identity is still twisted because yeah. you don't have a relationship. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because, quite frankly, I can serve under you, have great respect for you, work in the things that are assigned to my hands and get mentoring and training and encouragement from somebody else without disrupting my my service and my work. And so we have to take responsibility and stop waiting for our pastors to tell us that we're gifted or waiting for somebody that we admire to tell us we are gifted. You have to look at yourself and say, I'm gifted. God put something inside of me. I still don't even know how it all works, but let me seek out the pieces that it will take to help me to grow and develop and perfect my gift. Yes. That, that is liberating. Absolutely. Absolutely. We definitely cannot negate personal responsibility. That's so good. And I'm so happy that you added on to that. I have a question. It's a standard question I ask everyone on our podcast. And that is, what does it mean to you to be a woman on purpose and to live a life of purpose? It means to me being intentional about hearing the voice of God and following it and not floating through life, waiting for something external to myself to happen, but understanding that what happens starts from within. So anything that I'm walking in right now, any doors that have opened for me, it starts from within. And not that I created this position, you know, as executive minister here at Turner or created any of the doors that were open for me. It means that I trusted the God in me to ready me for when those doors opened. And I'll give you a prime example. Back in our old days, in our previous place of service, that it's not like the ministerial staff preached all the time because our leader preached most Sundays and then that, there was a short list after that. 
prior to my coming in, probably even during the time that I got there, I had launched my YouTube channel and I had started doing these little snippets. I created my own sermon series. Uh, remember, our online platforms were not at all back in 2010 like they are right now. Okay? There was no Zoom like that. There was no none of these things that we're using now. But I did what I did on my little webcam, created my little series. And I rem- remember the series was called Find Your Flow. Find Your Flow. And I le- I, my mom had come for the week. I took her back to the train station. I literally walked into the door and one of our colleagues on the ministerial staff called me and said, hey, Gadsden, you're up on Sunday. He said, you're up at 7.30. 7.30? I was like, up what? Because we all knew that I was nobody and I wasn't on nobody's short list. And he said, yeah, because our leader called me and asked me, what about Gadsden? Can she preach? And he said, yeah, yeah, she can go. She can, she, she can flow. And I said, well, what made him come to that? He said, well, he saw some video clips or something that you had online. I wasn't even, I, that was for my tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny, teeny, 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 tiny little following to be a word of encouragement and to have yeah. something put on my budding little website, okay? But the voice that was within was what was heard yeah. so that that person could say, Oh, I want her up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. Agnes DeMille, a famous dancer, can't remember from what era, but she says, uh, destiny is made known silently. Mm. And I always took that to mean that it's what you do and how you prepare yourself behind the scene that gets you ready and even causes your destiny and your purpose to seek you out. So my, my thing about living on purpose and living a life of purpose is readying myself each and every day. And I fall down on it, you know, because I I start stuff and I'm like, ooh, I don't feel like doing it or I don't continue it or I get discouraged in it. But readying myself every day and being intentional about doing what I need to do so that when destiny comes to meet me, I'm prepared. Ooh, that's so good. Mm. That's so good. Do you see why I love her? That's why I keep her on payroll. That's why I keep her around. Is there is there anything else that you want to share? Is there anything on your heart before we leave that you want to share any parting words with us? I guess I would want to say to whoever is listening to be encouraged. Yeah. Be encouraged no matter what your environment is, no matter who's in your environment telling you you are not no matter how stagnant anything might seem right now, be encouraged and know that God has a plan for you and that you have a part in the plan and you can co-create your life with God. He, He will let you be a part of that creation of that plan. And he will not only give you the desires of your heart in terms of granting you the desires, but he will give you the desires 
in terms of making your desires, his desires and his desires, your desires, bringing those things into alignment. It might not look like it right now. And there might be some hurtful times, but wherever you find yourself under the sound of my voice right now, be encouraged and do not give up because it's something on the other side. Amen. 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 There's nothing else to say there, but amen. <laughs> amen. I, I think that's so good and just an awesome way to end. Thank you, Dr. Gatson, for joining us. And we hope to see you at some Woman on Purpose platform in the near future. Um, oh, y'all heard that right. That's an assignment. That means <laughs> the assignment. Listen, okay, I want y'all to know she's a boss. And that means that she is giving me an assignment. Mm-hmm. Yes. I- Live that in there in front of the people in a yeah. public space. You in can't front of the people. I can't deny the people. Can't deny the people. You can't deny you're welcome people. Thank you for joining us this week on the Kerygma Chronicles. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just look for at Dr. Natasha Gadsden. If you love the show, please rate and subscribe so that we can continue to bring you fresh content. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you next week.